And welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037thebuzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Folks, it's hopefully all of you had a wonderful weekend, and it was nice to see some of the sports getting back into it, and uh, obviously a lot of the storylines that went along with it, but it was an enjoyable weekend for me, and it's good to have you all here on the podcast, and uh, I have a great interview lined up for you. Barrett Salee, very good friend of mine of CBS Sports, uh, he writes some great articles covering college football, particularly the SEC and I, I got to ask him about all the Razorback stuff that's been going on as well as uh, college football in general, because there's just a lot of storylines to get into. So uh, I really look forward to that. But first, folks, uh, again, I just want to thank you all for being a part of this podcast. I know that it hasn't been ideal with no sports over the past few months, and it's been difficult on a lot of us for a lot of different reasons, especially financially, too, because I know a lot of you have been contacting me and talking about uh, you know your experiences with your work and your job and everything. And uh, I'm excited about sports being back. I'm excited about us getting back to normal as a country, which I think is very soon on the horizon. But I just wanted to once again thank you all for uh, being a part of it and, and uh, letting uh, letting me be a part of your life in this podcast as well. But right now, let's go to the phone lines as we are joined by Barrett Salee of CBS Sports. You know, I, it's funny because I was talking about this, Barrett, with, uh, with Joe Franklin on my show about baseball and how – it seems like there's just so many issues going on. So I want to ask you, what do you make of what's going on with baseball right now? And maybe do you feel like there should be some things fixed about baseball right now? Yeah, a whole lot. I'd be interested to hear what you guys talked about because maybe you could fix baseball more than the decision makers on both sides have done so far. But, yeah, I mean, it's just that. It, you know, baseball had a perfect chance. We've seen baseball uh, unite the country before, uh, after 9-11. Um, because I don't care what side of the political spectrum you're on. You're on George Bush, the one that strike in the World Series so, uh, in Yankee Stadium was legitimately one of the most, uh, one of the coolest things we've seen in a long time. People rallied around baseball then. Uh, we could rally around it right now. Uh, they have uh, a chance to attract a younger generation of fans. So from a, from a uh, visibility standpoint, they had a perfect opportunity. And uh, instead they had this little petty squabble uh, over things that in the grand scheme of things don't matter all that much if your sport uh, is is hurt by those discussions, and, and it is. There, there will be a lot of people now who will never watch baseball again. Uh, I won't be one of them because I'll um, I'll still watch, and the Braves win a World Series this year. I'll celebrate it just as much as any other World Series. But, <laughs> uh, you know, it's sad. It really is sad. I, I'm glad you went there, Barrett, as far as the Braves winning. Do you think with a shorter season it does open it up where – an underdog has a better chance of winning this year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, there's no doubt. Uh, you know, we've seen teams get hot and fade down the stretch. And so, yeah, uh, 100%. I, I saw some stats yesterday. Somebody put them up. I can't remember who it was. But it was basically some of the statistical leaders through 60 games. And, like, some of the numbers were just mesmerizing. I think Chipper Jones hit, like, 416 through 60 games one year. Uh, you know, so uh, you're going to see – yeah, if somebody gets hot, a team gets hot, a superstar emerges, um, 100%. You can see, you know, Cinderella this year, especially considering, you know, they're going to have uh, ex- uh, expanded uh, playoffs if, as long as, the, you know, the players agree to the, to the safety protocol. So, um, you know, I think it'll be fun. Um, 
different. It's short. We, I think a lot of people need to, to reside to the fact that things are not going to be normal this year. Uh, they haven't been normal this year. So uh, I still think it'll be fun. Um, but, again, I, I think they, they, they blew a perfect opportunity to make a, a, a great game uh, more visible to a broader spectrum of fans. Well, I know that a lot of fans here in this state and across the country are really hopeful for not only Major League Baseball but other sports getting back to it, college football for sure being one of those sports. But yet it just seems like over the past week or two, uh, as as confident as so many people were about football getting back with, I know, the spike of having some of these states with the COVID-19 positive cases, uh, have you changed your tune or do you feel any differently about what you felt previously as far as the chances of college football getting started back up on time this fall? Uh, not really, uh, and, and I say not really only because I think the, the one thing that sort of would make me pause a little bit is the reaction that, that people have had to these positive tests. We're supposed to have positive tests. Like, that's the point of all this. And um, clearly it's more prevalent than, than we thought, uh, and clearly it does not affect uh, 18- to 22-year-olds much at all because most of these positive cases have been asymptomatic. So. I'm not sure what people expected because if they expected, you know, nobody to have it, then they're, they're living in fantasy land. So I, I don't necessarily view it as a good thing because it's never good when people are sick. But if it's that prevalent now within college football players and, and, and people within a program, well, in two to three weeks, you're going to know exactly where people stand and where teams stand on the other side. You know, how many people have antibodies? How many people didn't? Uh, given at all, how many people uh, still have it, and, and what the incubation period is, and you know that's that's not something that we really know as a, as sports fans or really as a society because we haven't really had a situation where you put a bunch of people into more or less a bubble and you test them all the time and you give them medical care and you see what happens on the other side. And yeah, it's it's, it's not really fair to say college football players are are, are guinea pigs for this, but they kind of are, but. I think what also gets lost in it is, you know, these guys are asymptomatic, then they could be, wherever they're from, infecting at-risk people and not have any clue that they're doing it. Well, now they're around their friends, they're playing football, they're working out, they have top-tier medical experts around them, and they're getting tested more than they ever would on their own. So isn't that the better option of the two? And there really only are two options, so... I'm not sure why we're criticizing and shocked that the better option is, is producing results like this. Talking to Barrett Salee from CBS Sports on the West End Cigars Hotline. Do you think college football will proceed with uh, some teams or conferences left out? I, I don't think so. I, you know, I think you're going to have it. You know, it, maybe it's delayed. You know, I, I don't think a lot of folks have gotten back to the discussion of, of it maybe being delayed by a month. Um, you know, so... I think everyone's going to play. I can't imagine a conference, you know, a, you know, a team within, let's just say the SEC. Let's just say, you know, Texas A&M. Texas has got more, um, you know, cases now than in its fitness peak right now. So let's just say Texas A&M gets, you know, told by the SEC, hey, you know, maybe you should sit this one out. I can't imagine A them saying yes and B the SEC asking to begin with. So, uh, you know, I, I just I don't think you're going to see something like that. Um, unless there are really, really intricate details worked out in, in a short period of time um, to, to protect financial loss for, for the conference and for the program. So 
I just I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I could see you know teams having to forfeit games in the in, in a season where you know if you have 20 guys out with COVID, you can't really feel the team. Uh, and and you know maybe you get some you know five and three final records or things like that. I could see that happening, but uh, sitting out an entire season, I just I can't imagine that happening. We'll continue our discussion with Barrett Salee of CBS Sports here in just a second. But, folks, I got to tell you about Built Bar. They've been really helping me out. Every time I go to the gym, I grab one on my way out. Uh, sometimes I'll eat one on my way back from the gym. It's so great because I like easy. I like quick. I like something that's convenient, and Built Bar does that for me. They're protein bars, essentially, that all taste like candy bars, and they have 16 different amazing flavors. They're covered in 100% cho- chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew. So that's how you know that they're really good when all those factors go into it but the most important thing is not only are they tasty but they're also extremely healthy they're built for the health conscious guy and that you are able to lose or maintain weight while indulging in this delicious treat and they're great low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber type of built bars i mean it's everything you need and luckily for you we're having this deal on locked on razorbacks podcast right now go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on and you get ten dollars off your first order that's right folks go to builtbar.com Use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your first order at BuiltBar.com. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. Barry, I want to ask you, uh, obviously, about the Arkansas Razorbacks, the team we cover the most here in this state. And it's, it's funny because I, I mentioned in the early going of the show that I'm sure a lot of Razorback fans were always upset at you over the past few years. Because it seems like you always picked Arkansas to finish last. I can't imagine why. Well, maybe, maybe they shouldn't finish last. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's what kind of made it funny. And I was even telling Joe, I'm like, you know, as much, uh, much crap as Barrett got, he usually called it pretty spot on because Arkansas has been that team that has finished dead last over the past few years. But now I know that the COVID and, and everything that's been going on has kind of put things a little unsettled. But there's still some optimistic people here in this state saying that, you know what, are we going to expect, you know, go 10-2 and two this year? No, but can they be a team that is at least competitive? Can they not go 2-10? Can they maybe even win an SEC game or two this year? You've called it pretty spot on, so I'm going to ask you, this upcoming football season, assuming everything goes according to plan, what do you see from the Arkansas Razorbacks in year one under Sam Pittman? Arkansas will win an SEC football game in the year of our Lord 2020. <laughs> they will win – a real life football game. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, this is it's, it's strange to think about Sam Pittman because he hasn't really done this since what 1991 in junior college, so he has never done this before. Um, but he's got a good staff. He's got a quarterback in Felipe Franks who is is decent, and by SEC standards this year, decent means they're pretty good uh, because there are a lot of questions at that position. One of the best running backs in the country. Good wide receiving core. And very little time to prepare. And so, okay, that's a pretty solid foundation. Um, you know, I'm not really sure what uh, to expect from, you know, from the defense, but I do know Barry Adams is a good defensive coach. So, you know, I look around and say, okay, um, Mississippi State, not buying them at all. I don't think they're going to be able to stop uh, anybody. Uh, and, and the absence of a passing game, a game, which I don't think they'll have, even if KJ Costello is a quarterback, I just don't think that's going to work. Um, so, yeah, I think they can. I, I think absolutely think they can. I'm not buying Missouri. Maybe it's the last game of the season. But I think Arkansas is fully capable of winning some of their toss-up games. 
And if they're winning some of their toss-up games, then all they got to do is, you know, win the other three out-of-conference games, not name Notre Dame, and have a chance at a bowl game. So I'm thinking, you know, five and seven, maybe six and six at the very, very top is at least possible. I think it's probable, but I think it's at least possible considering, you know, kind of where they sit in terms of, of coordinator hires and, you know, meaningful – uh, you know, meaningful uh, players who have experience in the SEC. So in the West, in the SEC, Barrett, it sounds like um, you're thinking Mississippi State may be dead last. So do you think it's going to be – do you think Arkansas has a chance to finish, you know, where they won't be last? Is Mississippi State that team you think is going to finish last in the West? Yeah, I do. Uh, well, you know, I think it probably depends on the Arkansas-Mississippi State game, to be honest with you. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think it's it's very very possible that that uh, that Mississippi State finishes last in the West. I just um, you know I I I love Kylan Hill and I think you know people are realizing how good he is after his comments this week. But um, you know I, I I just don't trust anything else. I, I think Mike Leach, even though he's a you know a, a coach who has you know done it in spots similar to Mississippi State in the past. Does that mean he can do it in the SEC West the same way? No. And knowing Mike Leach, he's going to try to because he is pretty darn stubborn. So I just – I don't buy it. I don't buy it. If Kylan Hill is your entire offense, and he is, then teams can and will load up to stop him. And and I don't know – even though he's good, I don't know if he's good enough to overcome something like that. I always love the fact that – because I feel like the past three or four years, Arkansas has always been a part of that one game that was the battle for last in the SEC West <laughs> where the winner ends up not being last. But you know what? That may be the case this year. And, in fact, I saw that uh, in some cases people felt like Arkansas may have the toughest schedule in all of college football because of that Notre Dame game being on the road. They got Alabama, LSU, of course, all the West opponents. And their East opponent this year besides Missouri is Tennessee at home. So it definitely does not get any easier for them. But when you're looking at the entire SEC in general, Barrett, I feel like, you know, go if you go with Bama, it's not like you're really going out on a limb, but it just seems like there it's pretty open this year. There's a lot of new quarterbacks. There's a lot of new faces. There's been a lot of turnover with some of these teams. And I feel like you might see a legitimate race where, you know, it could not be Bama this year. Maybe it'll be Georgia, maybe Florida, maybe Auburn. What, what do you see the SEC mixing up as far as in the fall this year? Yeah, I agree. In fact, I wrote something to that effect uh, just last week about how it's dripping with intrigue because there is no behemoth. The one behemoth that, you know, is, is set to be that team is LSU, and they really can't claim that either because of all the roster holes and coaching holes they have to fill. And the fact that it's a really strange offseason and it's going to be harder than normal to do that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm 100% with you. I think it's, uh, there's, a, there's a lot to be intrigued by. Uh, within the entire conference this year. You don't really have any established quarterbacks. When when Kellen Mond is the most experienced and probably going to be named first-team all-SEC quarterback preseason, that tells you a whole lot about where your, where your, where your conference is from a, from a quarterback perspective. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's just there's no set team. There's no one uh, top dog that um, is stable. And when you look at the teams who are stable, it is Tennessee, Kentucky, it's Texas A&M, I, just, I, I, I don't see how you can trust any of those teams. Barrett, do you think we've seen the last of the Alabama dominance in the SEC? Uh, no, I mean, they're going to be in the mix every single season. And really, 
they were throughout the entire Nick Saban run, right? I mean, they, you know, Auburn won it in 2010, in 2013, in 2017, and in LSU in 2011 and 2019. So I don't see why that would change. Now, I know Alabama, from a national perspective, you know, things worked in their favor oftentimes and they won national championships, but really when you think about it, in the SEC West, it's not like they were dominating every single year, you know? So um, I think that is, is kind of where they're going to continue to be because you obviously have, you know, LSU that's figured it out. You have Auburn that's obviously, um, you know, in terms of coaches who have uh, Nick Saban's number, uh, Gus has more wins than anybody else, including Yabo Sweeney. Now, obviously, he's had more chances, but still, I mean, it's, it's, it's always been a tough neighborhood, and, and Alabama sometimes gets beat up in that neighborhood, and I don't think that's going to change. We'll continue our discussion with Barrett Salee of CBS Sports here in just a second. But, folks, I got to tell you about rockauto.com. You've heard me talk about it, but chain stores, I'm telling you, they have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. But luckily, rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're very low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices available, whether it's changing prices based on what the market needs, or maybe it's just something that you find in stock and they have plenty of it. They're going to give you the best price, and that's what's most important. They don't require a membership. There's no account login. You just go to their website and you check out all their parts. It doesn't matter. Fiat, Kia, Ford, Chevy, no matter your make or model of the vehicle, no matter what year, they have it all. So go to rockauto.com and check it out. They have great prices, amazing selection, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. Be sure to write locked on on how did you hear about us, Fox, so they know that I sent you. Check it out again at rockauto.com. Locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. Yo, Barrett, it's funny because I saw your tweet about it, and I uh, mentioned it here on the show when I was talking about Colin Cowherd with his uh, Tier 1 and Tier 2 college football programs. His Tier 1 was uh, Alabama, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. And I was like, okay. But then he has USC as one of his Tier 1s, has Notre Dame in Tier 2, Clemson in Tier 2. I, I I don't know really exactly what the uh, what the impact or what he was going through there, what the context was, but man, that's I mean I know it's Colin Coward, everyone's got their opinion, but it'd be hard pressed to find that Clemson or Notre Dame's not a tier one football program even right now. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, that was a, a graphic put up by you know by his show, so it doesn't really put it in proper context or any context. But I mean, I'd imagine if it's right now, there's no reason for Clemson to be tier two and USC tier one, and if it's all time there's no reason for Notre Dame to be there, too. <laughs> they are. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, it's, it's power, and that's, that's what he does. Yeah, exactly right. But, uh, you know, another thing, too, real quick, Barrett, uh, you know, this you mentioned uh, Kylan Hill and uh, some of the stuff that's been going on uh, with the state of Mississippi and Commissioner Greg Sankey saying that they need to change the state flag. And, of course, Kylan Hill being one of those that is uh, standing up against it, saying that, he you know, he's not going to play, he's not going to do anything until – it gets changed. It's amazing to see, especially here recently, some of the power that a lot of these college football teams and college football players have been implementing as far as trying to get change not only on their school campuses but also uh, in their state, and this is the latest example of it. Do you see this as kind of being a turning of the corner as far as a lot of college football players being able to use their ability and use their status to try to change things for the better uh, going forward. 
Yeah, no doubt it is. You know, I think in the past, maybe players were a little reluctant to do it because, um, you know, they didn't want to step outside the parameters of their program. Programs didn't want them to make a stand. But, you know, now clearly not only are programs okay with it, they're actually encouraging, encouraging it. So, uh, yeah, I think players recognize that, you know, their voice matters, that they have the ability to make an impact based on what they've done. And, you know, that it sort of goes along the same lines as the NIL rights, too, because clearly they have the ability to make money off of their name, too. So all of it sort of works together. And I do think you're going to see more of it, especially among high-profile players. You know, when Tuba Hubbard does what he does, that makes an impact. When, um, you know, when Kylan Hill does what he does, that makes an impact. Go back with Clemson, when, when Trevor Lawrence, um, you know, organizes a, a rally. That makes an impact. So, yeah, no doubt. Uh, my colleague Dennis Dodd wrote about it, um, you know, earlier, uh, well, I guess last week, where it's the age of the empowered college football player. And, and it's exactly right. Right now, college football players understand uh, where they are, what they can do, and how that voice matters. All right, last one. Oh, okay, you got one for him, Joe. Yeah, uh, Barrett, I did see you made a comment about a couple of teams, one the East, one the West, and the SEC. I want to know your thoughts on Kentucky and Ole Miss because it seems that you think that they could shake things up this year. Yeah, um, you know, Kentucky, that, that offensive line is going to be really solid. Eddie Gray's done a great job as their offensive coordinator. I don't know how healthy Terry Wilson's going to be at quarterback, but, you know, it's, 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 Mark Stoops' teams are not going to be pushovers. Uh, I don't know what their ceiling is, but I know their floor is pretty high. Uh, so that makes me sort of think they're that chaos team in the SEC East. And, you know, with, with Ole Miss, I mean, when you return the trio of John Rice Plumley, Jerry and Ely, and Elijah Moore, he of fake dog pee fame, uh, you're, you're doing all right, you know, especially when you have Lane Kiffin coming in. So I just, I think Ole Miss is going to be one of those teams too, where, you know, they're not going to win consistently. They're not going to contend for the SEC West this year, but, uh, they're probably capable of bringing an upset, and they could be that chaos team that really makes an impact in, in uh, who wins that West Division. All right, last one for you, Barrett. No SEC media days, unfortunately, in Atlanta this year. I know we're, we're real. You already. I know. I'm telling you, I was I was looking forward to it so much. So I mean, what, I know it's going to be virtual. Is there something we can do? Because you know, it's just not going to seem right without having a karaoke night of some sort. Like, what what can we do to try to at least make SEC media days more enjoyable than just the virtual reality that they're going to put us in? Well, I think we first have to figure out the dates, and then we probably need to organize a Zoom call and, and let, let the link be open to everybody and, and just sing random songs and, and do dumb things and drink cheap beer or, in my case, White Claw and, and have some fun, right? Like, yeah. let's, uh, let's try to recreate it as much as possible. I, I'm bummed, man. Like, you know, I know Capital J journalists think that Media Day being a circus is bad for business or the industry or whatever it's a it's a it's a, it's a convention it's what we're, it, it exists for the very reason that they're complaining it's a circus and it's fun and it's yeah, i just i'm i'm bummed I, I wish they had it i hope they go back to the normal uh way next year and um man it's just a bummer i know it really is but we'll get back to it next year man it'll it'll all be back to normal and uh, I know that I'm looking forward to it as many, as well as many others. That's Barrett Salee of CBS Sports. Always appreciate it, Barrett. Have a great one, man. We'll catch up with you later down the road. All right, my man? All right, thank you. Thanks, guys. Well, appreciate everybody listening in to the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you then. 
You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. 